Welcome to the Red Army Bet Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Mossed. With me, I've got Ian Sterling from Must. That's the Man United Supporters Trust. Ian, welcome. Hi. <laughs> We've also got Duncan Drasdo, also from Must. Duncan. Hi there. Hi, good to see you again. And last but by no means least, we've got Sam McMahon, who works for Red Army Bet and is also a United fan, as are the rest of us. Um, guys, how are we feeling about the new season? Ian, I'll start with you. Feeling confident? You feeling happier than uh, Jose Mourinho seems to be? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of neg- negativity out there, isn't there? But you can't read too much into pre-seasons. We've seen enough of them in the past. And they, they mean sod all, really. It's uh, what matters is when we kick off against Leicester. Um, but yeah, there's quite a bit of negativity about... Things that I real, really feel positive about is you know, getting back to the match. Seeing your mates, having a drink, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Socialising, getting back with people who you're not seeing, seeing for a while, and spending another nine months with them in some dubious <laughs> circumstances. That's that's what it's all about, really, for me. But yeah, the, the football's a bonus. But you can't read too much into the pre season at all. And have you enjoyed the summer, enjoy the World Cup, or is it just a case of waiting for the season to start, as you were mentioning then? I, I enjoyed the World Cup more than I thought that I would. Uh, you know, this, this, thing, this thing with the United fans, isn't there, of a uh, bit of anti-England feeling. Mainly, you know, from the way Beckham was treated, um, where a lot of United fans turned against England. But um, I, I think there was a change um, in the attitude because of what, you know, the England team and the managers had been through and they went with zero expectation and they thought that they'd really hit rock bottom. And they surprised us all, really. So I, I, I quite enjoyed the um, new relationship with England there. And then some of the, you know, the eventual disappointment as well, which always comes with them. Yeah, but yeah, it's far more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. I think it was uh, surprising for a lot of people. Uh, Duncan, are you looking forward to the new season? Are you feeling confident? I can't say I'm particularly uh, excited. Um, I mean, I think we were saying before that... Um, we got some signings out of the way early on and so it feels a bit like we haven't yeah. really done anything but I don't feel I feel like you know we needed to to make some progress and strengthen the squad and in fact you know we're coming from behind obviously against City in particular uh, but it, Liverpool are looking very strong as well and I think we probably look weaker versus both of them if anything you know we're certainly not we're certainly not caught up with City I don't feel uh, and yeah obviously pre-season doesn't inspire you totally but again we know they're friendlies and you know you're mixing up the squad and so on um but you know i mean being a match going fan it's about more than just how the team performs isn't it it's about enjoying you know your little community in the stadium and the people you meet before the game and that and obviously you always feel you miss that over the summer and you you know it's good to get back to meet up with everyone so you know i think we'll be feeling Excited at the start of the season. I yeah. think me and Ian are both actually missing the first game anyway because we're uh, <laughs> so one of our mates. So so yeah. One of our mates, who's a United fan, is organised a wedding, and That's obviously we wasn't the expecting game. the first game to be on a Friday know, night. Yeah. Oh so uh, we'd already committed to that. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. what do you make of that? That the Friday night kickoff because that was he was debating more last season on it than it is has been. I hate the idea that I think. A bit like the end of the season, I quite, I'd quite like the idea that everyone starts on the same day, you know, because it just feels like, you know, it's a bit more of a collective almost, isn't it? You know, for the whole 
you know, they mess around enough during the season, so why not have the first game? Everyone starts on a Saturday, three o'clock, and yeah. finishes in the same way on a yeah. Sunday. But yeah, so our mate's got two free tickets to the Leicester game for his wedding present. Now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? So you're all, no, you're all gonna be there. Then. At least it's an night, <laughs> so you won't all be sort of stood in the in the church on your phones watching the, the scores. Yeah. I've been at weddings like that before, yeah. uh, where everyone was sort of checking the results, not mentioning anyone's name, Andy Thompson, um, <laughs> <laughs> Sam. Looking forward to the season. I keep asking the same questions, but how much are you looking forward to the season kicking off? Yeah, well, like the guy said, obviously it's not been the best of pre-season, but hopefully we can kind of turn it around and kind of start a positive. Obviously, the, most of the players have been away for the World Cup, so hopefully once they come back in, it can kind of get a little bit stronger. I mean, obviously we finished with Real Madrid, a little bit more of a positive note, but leading up to that, it weren't great, so hopefully we can kind of turn that around when we get the, get the main players back in. Yeah. Hopefully we can kind of kick on from there. So I'm a little bit more optimistic than these two, but I wouldn't necessarily say I think it's going to be something to write home about. Um, we are going to talk about most of the work you guys do in a little while. Just one question Absolutely. I do ask everyone is, well, two questions. How do you see the season going and what would be a successful season, do you feel, Duncan? It's a tough one. It's a um, tough one. I mean, obviously, successful season has got to be a trophy. Uh, you know, I'd like to see us uh, challenge seriously in Europe. Um, I feel it's hard to see us overturning City for the league given yeah, what happened last season. Um, but a good run in the Champions League, I'd like to see that. I suppose that's a, a realistic ambition. Um, yeah, without dwelling on what other teams do, you saw the effect that a good run had on a team not too far away from Manchester last season. It seems to give them a real lift. Mm. Yeah. Like, do you think United are capable, Ian, of, of having a good European run? I mean, last season in Europe I was mean, such an anti-climax, wasn't it, with Seville? It can. I mean, it's, it's, it's the look at a draw as well sometimes, isn't it? Um, I'd, I'd like to see us perform better in Europe. We've really got the manager in place for us to do that. Um, we can't play any worse than we did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um you know, he, he knows he knows what to do. But yeah, Champions League, I think, is is a thing. You know, a domestic cup's always nice, but you know, I don't particularly look forward to trips down to Wembley. It's not the, not the greatest of places. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a de decent run in Europe would really uh, would would be a successful season, and my liver surviving the season would. Be <laughs> There we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. We'll, uh, we'll offer some odds on that later. Um, Sam, special, what, yeah. do you, what would you look at uh, being a successful season? Do you think a title challenge, a real title challenge, not finishing yeah. a distant second? No, like like Duncan said before. Obviously, if we can get a trophy in there as well, that'd be great. But I think last year we were second place, but we were second place by by quite a distance. So if we can kind of bridge that gap a little bit this year, that would be a huge positive. I don't see us turning the gap and kind of turn it in our favour but I feel if we can actually make it a little bit more closer running yeah. towards the end of the season that would be a huge plus point but I am a little bit wary of Liverpool's summer signings and I think they could be in a better place come the start of the season than we are I think that's what it is about really it's nail on the head all we want to do is compete yeah definitely in there. we weren't there last season at all um, I think the place in the league kind of just it looked like we were there when we actually weren't really there last year. Is that yeah. kind of how I felt? So the second in the one-off race. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the thing. A big sort of talking point each season is the atmosphere at Old Trafford. Mm. Mourinho's mentioned it. We all know mm. sitting around this table, sort of the debates that have raged about the atmosphere. The club have done yeah. something about that. What do you? <clears throat> first of all, what do you think of what the club have done to try and address well, the atmosphere at Old Trafford? It's, um, 
Listen, we all knew what the problems were before Mourinho made his comments. And he's been known for making his comments before he made them at Chelsea previously. Uh, whether that's done to you know, try and G up the crowd, to try and you know, get a reaction from the players. But it's a bigger story than that. It's a far bigger story than that. The, the atmosphere, that all Premier League grounds has eroded over 20 years. You know, um, And we kind of reached the point because of uh, Mourinho's comments where uh, the club wanted to do something about it. But the desire has always been there from us as a sports organisation to try and do something about it. We realised what the problems were in terms of mates not being able to be sat together, all-seater stadia, yeah. prices of tickets, uh, average age of crowds getting older, you know, local youth not being able to get in, poor, poor stewarding, you know, uh, all those things added up to uh, this, you know, degrading of the of the atmosphere over years. So fortunately, the, the club seemed to be. Um, of a mind to really want to do something about it now. So uh, we've pursued that with them. We've had we've had lots of meetings. There've been other groups that have been uh, have tried to do something, and they've been receptive to it. Um, so we would hope this season we would turn a corner and you would see an improvement in the atmosphere at the ground. Yeah. We demonstrated what can be done. We had the the trial uh, v Brighton. You know, I don't know whether you were there, but it's yeah. awful, awful night in terms of the weather. <laughs> horrendous. Uh, that was, was, the, was that the, the snow? Snow, snow yeah, one. Yeah, horrendous yeah. night. Not, you know, dis- no disrespect to Brighton, not particularly glamorous opposition. Uh, on the back of a bad defeat. Um, and we've raised the roof. There was 18 of us, 1,800 of us who were uh, moved into the uh, L, which was the place that we wanted for the uh, original singing section when it was first when it was first mooted uh, and we proved what could be done if we put those conditions in place of unreserved seating lads being able you know lad, you know people supports being able to congregate together create the conditions for the for the atmosphere to flourish so we've shown what can be done so really now the challenge is with the club to put those conditions in place yeah i mean i think there's some of it is about physical conditions isn't it and but I think that often it is overplayed when people talk about things like acoustics and that sort of thing. Because I don't think that's the problem. It and like it's it been shown when you've got away crowds come yeah. certain clubs that really, yeah. uh, you know, raise the roof at Old Trafford. For me, what it's actually about really is how you feel about the club and how you feel the club's treating you and what your relationship is. And if you think about football, what's different with football than a lot of sports is that that spontaneous atmosphere comes from the fact that you feel it's your club and it is a club. And obviously if you feel like it's a business, it's a franchise, it kind of weakens that relationship. And so I think there's an element of that, you know, I know everyone doesn't think about that at the time, but I think psychologically that gets into people's heads. And then there's a feeling of not reciprocating loyalty from the club. And when you see when the ticket prices were pushed up in the early years of the Glazer takeover, I think that's very detrimental because again, it's saying you're just fodder for us in terms of you know, so all those elements are negative. Um, and then on top of that, the things that Ian's mentioned about basically in order to get atmosphere, you need a kind of critical mass of fans together who know each other and want to, you know, there's a kind of community feeling rather than everybody sitting in sections where they don't know the people next to them or they only know the people immediately next to them. And so you don't get that spontaneous singing coming into the ground. Um, but what I will say is that the club have tried to address it and I think even the fact they've tried is an important factor 
because it Definitely. makes people feel different. They feel, well, actually, yeah, the club is responding. Our biggest challenge is the way the stadium is structured at the moment means there isn't much capacity for moving people around and doing the sort of relocations we'd really like to do. And um, obviously that really requires an expansion of the stadium to do that. Um, I think there's resistance uh, you know, to that from, from the owners particularly because they can't see you know, the return on investment in a short period of time. But I do think there's also a genuine problem, um, which I am sympathetic to, which is that if you expanded Southstand, uh, and you don't have to build over the railway to do that instantly, but if you expanded Southstand, um, the problem is it means you're going to have to shut pretty much the whole stand. And as I understand it, it it's a two-year project. So we've already got a problem where we've lost capacity because of the expansion of the disabled section. That's caused enough trouble as it is, trying to find seats for people who've been moved out of that area. And so imagine what would happen if you then say, right, we're going to shut Southstand for two years. What are you going to do with those people? Where are they going to go? You know, and it isn't like we've got a Wembley Stadium that we could move to for a season. Ground share with City, well, you know, it's not, um, probably yeah. not popular. It's not big enough, is it? And they probably wouldn't let us anyway. <laughs> But um, so you know, and it, you know, there's even potential to build another stadium behind Old Trafford on, the, on that land. I guess you know, I, mean, yeah, I think we should be looking at all those options. Uh, you know, personally, I think it's important that you know that we retain the same place because I think that pitch that has seen the sort of history there. You don't really want to move even, you know, 200 yards away from that. You know, I think it, the idea yeah, that you're playing on the same yeah. pitch that the Busby Bay's played on and so there on is that nostalgia it's quite, there. Yeah, and I think that's important because of what had happened there, Old Trafford. Obviously, when Busby was a absolutely, and I think when you look at what's happened at other clubs where they've moved stadia, and a lot of them have been unsuccessful, and they've kind of destroyed their atmosphere and their, you know, the feeling. I mean, and the worst examples are like West Ham. Yeah, you know, West what you've Ham, seen West Ham is awful. Worse, and some part was a real venue. Uh, it was a real sort of. Well, yeah, not just that. It was, yeah, absolutely. And then to move to a stadium that's totally soulless Soul. and split up with whole sections where there's no fans and no so seats. So far away from the, the pitch as well. Yeah, right? exactly. And so yeah, that was terrible terrible decision and you know I don't think it's entirely worked for City either I think they've lost a lot you know but they're not the worst example but you know I don't think it's entirely worked for them I think Spurs have probably gone about it the right way and obviously they've retained their location and pretty much and expanded where they are and that's what we'd like to see really is something like that but yeah you need that increased capacity to allow for the sort of relocations we'd like to see because obviously what we want to see is groups of fans together we want to see more youth in there a lot of the things to be fair that Ian's already covered really are the, the things that deliver that atmosphere but then it's also about how you feel about the club and uh, you know so that relationship's so important I think and and of course I mean the other area is standing you know and we're pushing hard on that you know it's not just about the fact that you are actually standing up but I do think that makes quite a big difference in terms of the way people sing versus sitting down is a bit more of an arms folded sit back and watch the team you know you become a passive observer yeah, home, standing right? up it's more sort of active and therefore you're there to support the team uh, but the other aspect of standing that was always important in the past was because it's unreserved in terms of where you locate it you can go in there as long as all your mates are in the same stand you can go and find each other and you gather in your groups and you turn up at different times whatever the situation we have now is people might meet in the pub before the game and then they get to the stadium and they're all going through in different turnstiles and don't see each other until after the game and sit next to people they don't really know so those are the issues I think uh, but yeah, there's certain things we can do. It, song sheets isn't one of the <laughs> solutions, by the way. I was just, no, about no, to no. Say the, um, just for people that don't know, Ian, just tell us what what is different this season. What the club have done differently, or what we're going to see differently. Um, 
these uh, initiatives in the Stratford End where the first 15 rolls, something that we've always pushed for is accessibility for youth kids. Make, make, make the chip tickets a bit cheaper. So we, we uh, one of the initiatives that the club have come up with, the first 15 rolls of the Stratford End, um, any seats that become available will only be sold to 18 to 25 year olds. So people our age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My age. My kids age. Yeah. Uh, um, 15 quid a game. <laughs> It's ideal. It's what you want. Uh, fortunately, there's only ten percent of the, the, the that capacity in those seats there have been taken up by those because it's as the seats become available. Okay. But those seats, they're aware that they have to be given up once once they reach twenty five. So as people move out, it'll be populated more by. So that in itself will uh, aid the atmosphere. Uh, there's trials of um, what happened at Brighton. So groups of people larger groups of people. I think it's 500 versus uh, Leicester. Uh, it's been organised that uh, people can move into one area. It's, it's, it's uh, just in front of J-Stand, so you've got a load of, peop- load of people inside there. Again, try to replicate the, the uh, on a smaller scale of what happened at, uh, at Brighton. So it's and, that, and that's a, there's a, a new group called uh, MUFC, the Red Army. Yes. We've, we've worked with them, but they've got they've brought a load of new energy to it. Yeah, and they've done really they've done really well. Uh, and you know it's it, it's happened. You know we're happy to su- support groups like that and do do what we can uh, uh, to help. So, um, but long term, it's about reconfiguring the Stratford End. Uh, there's going to be the the family stand uh, as reduced in numbers. I think it's 600 uh, more spaces in the family stand, which are going to be sold on a match by match basis. And eventually, the family stand is going to, you know, whittle down and they'll be moved to a more suitable area. Uh, and there'll be uh, better facilities put in place for an executive area, but it won't be in the middle of the Stratford End. So that's going to create around a block between five five or six thousand seats which people can then migrate across into there, move into there, on the understanding of it's, you know, this is where you where you come in and you're going to make some noise. This is where, you know, where you come in and you get behind the team. You're not going yeah. to come in with an half and half scarf and have your phone up in front of your face, for, you know, <laughs> for the majority of the game. Hopefully it'll be a, uh, it'll, it'll appeal to a, a younger element as well. You know, kids who, who want to go in, when I say kids like, you know, under 25s, who, who want to get in there and who want to kind of experience what we experienced when we were younger of, you know, mates being together and, and making a noise. I, th- I think one of the challenges we've still got, I mean, I think we've been quite successful in persuading the club about the importance of that, what we're talking about with the Stretford End and the youth. But we still, to me, it can't be starting at 18 you know, you've really got to be looking at secondary school level to me and getting those kids so they can go together. I don't think it's ideal that you uh, you only let kids uh, under under 16 go in the family stand to get the cheap tickets. I think they need to be from sort of 11 to 16 or 11 to 18, basically. Uh, there needs to be the facility for them to be able to go with their mates and get a season ticket and go in the Stretford End, for example. And at the moment, the problem you've got is that kids in that group, if they want to sit anywhere else in the ground, they can't get a kid's season ticket. Basically, they can't even get a youth ticket. If you're under under 16 to 18, then you have to pay an adult price to be in those sort of sections of the ground unless you're buying a day ticket. And that doesn't make sense to me. I think there should be youth tickets in the areas where you want the atmosphere to be created. And obviously, and traditionally, that would have been the ends of the stadium. And obviously, the Stretford end. So, to me... 
family stand is an important stand, and it, it, you know it's it's important that people who want to go in the uh, family stand wherever that's located with their parents or a, an adult can still do that up to the age of 16, I think is the limit at the moment. But I would also think you need to encourage individual uh, 11 to 16 year olds to be able to get their own season tickets with their mates so they can go and stand and experience that. Which is, you know, when you look at the pictures of the Stretford End from the 70s and 80s, uh, there were loads of kids in there, you know, loads of young kids. And that, and, and you know, obviously they're the future in terms of the atmosphere. And you want them to be getting the bug to be you know, forming that relationship with the club and doing it with their mates. And I don't think it works if it's always with the parents. I think I think they need to be getting that independence with their mates, where they build that relationship and be in that yeah. I mean, I remember sort of being twelve, thirteen, and it was a scoreboard paddock. I got like, two seasons before they got rid of it. And me and my mates, just what you were talking about, Duncan, getting together four quid a ticket was at the time, and we'd all stand together because yeah. we just stopped going. I just stopped going with my dad. And it was uh, one of my fondest memories as a United fan was being stood there with mates in that yeah, standing it's, it's, it's about rebuilding that culture. We lost it and it's destroyed and I think they've realised the value of it now. Um, and we've got to rebuild it. And I think that, you know, from discussions we've had with the club, they're, they're keen to do that. So but I'm all for it. Sam, what do you make of the atmosphere and the ideas that are being moved? You're one of the, the in the 18 to 25 brackets. <laughs> yeah, you could be there get, in the Stretford. I could get a seat, right? Um, well, I sit right near the away fans, so at the minute all I can hear is them, so it'd be nice if I could hear a little bit from the other side of the stadium as well. Like you said, the fact that over the last few years, I think it's been, it has been noticeable, obviously, about the crowd and how quiet it has been. So if we, the fact that the club is now putting initiatives in place where they're actually making ideas and putting something towards it, and that's good to see, rather than just being sat around not actually doing anything. So the, obviously the fact that we're now looking at different ideas and moving towards that is, is obviously a positive because I'm sick of listening to the away fans every single week. You know, we were talking earlier, you were saying about how you've had conversations and, you know, talk about Must. Just tell us a little bit about Must, because I think nearly every night fan will have heard of Must, but not, might not necessarily know what it exactly is you guys do. So just talk us through a little bit about what Must do. If you can keep it sort of within a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, briefly, I think, yeah. just to recap on the sort of history of the organisation, I mean, we started out as um, supporter shareholder group because we believed in the idea of supporters having a share in the club was important. I think there's a feeling that there's a conflict of interest when you've got owners who aren't supporters, and so therefore they have a sort of commercial interest, but they're not supporters. And so I think to have a mixed ownership model where you've got fans who own shares in the club as well, and therefore they, they see it from both sides as a supporter and a part owner of the club is actually a really healthy thing. And so that's why we formed back in 98 originally uh, to opposed takeover by Murdoch and then we uh, converted to an organisation that was just there to encourage fans to take a stake in the club obviously we have to react to uh, you know the environment we're in and in 2005 we lost that battle the club's taken over and we went through a period where really we were kind of a protest group we didn't have any dialogue with the club and so all we could do was try and put pressure on which I think was quite successful mm -hmm. with you know certainly if you look from 2010 onwards no increase in season ticket prices since that green and gold sort of uprising that happened uh, in that period. But uh, when David Gill stood down and, and Ed Woodward took over, he actually approached us and wanted to re-establish a dialogue. And uh, so obviously there are benefits to that. It means that, you know, that it, it's harder to be critical, but, you know, we'd rather have a positive dialogue with the club. And that opened up the door for us to be uh, much better at representing match-going fans on the issues that matter to them. 
So that is the sort of key focus we have, and I'll let Ian talk about that in a second, really. But that's the key focus for us in terms of our sort of area where we want to grow, is helping match game fans to get what they want uh, in terms of atmosphere, in terms of you know ticketing and all the issues that affect match game fans. But that doesn't mean that we've dropped our long-term objectives about having an ownership stake because we think that's the right model for the club in the long term. But obviously, we're not in a position where we can influence that at this stage. But we are still working on, we've still got relationships with people who want to be significant investors in the club. And if and when that opportunity comes, then we want to be in a position to, to participate in that. And we will be still looking at encouraging fans to, to take share ownership in the club but we've got the challenge at the moment with the way the shares are structured. It's not particularly attractive. We can't really get significant influence. Uh, but we are in a dialogue with Ed Woodward about these sort of issues. So we talk to Ed Woodward uh, not very often at the moment, because, but that's mainly because we, you know, the relationship with him is about ownership issues, really. Whereas Richard Arnold is the contact that we've mainly dealt with on issues to do with, you know, the, the match game fans. Uh, initiatives and we are now pushing for a, a new kind of membership idea for match game fans which I think I should let Ian talk about really. Yeah it's kind of um, as, as Duncan was saying we, we've uh, progressed or merged I should say really. Um, there was an or, another organisation called Amusa uh, which specifically dealt with, with match coin fans issues so it'd be ticketing, travelling, policing, stewarding you know those kind of things, travel, all, all kinds of things, things that would affect supporters uh, on a match-by-match um, match basis. And we, we've we um, taken on a lot of that work now. Musa, you know, has, has folded. Um, it, you know, it takes a lot of energy uh, by volunteers to keep things like that going. So we, we've taken in uh, a lot of that work now, and, and a lot of what we do as must is, is representing um, supporters... Um, issues, complaints, um, problems that, that that they may be having with the club, um, or even just sometimes. I mean, it's not even just problems. I mean, someone contacted me the other day, just say, oh, "Can I have my dad's asses spread at Old Trafford?" And it's just a matter of a conduit, someone who can give some information, a point of contact to people. Um, so there's all kinds of things. I mean, there was the expansion of the disabled section, which uh, upset quite a lot of, lot of supporters in terms of being forced to move from long-held uh, seats that they'd had there. And, you know, we represented um, uh, their views to the club, try and get a, a satisfactory outcome for them, and we were quite successful with that. There's lots of issues with, with supporters being arrested uh, at games and being banned, you know, they may not be charged and they may not have been, been guilty of anything, but they've kind of been banned by the club. Uh, we've uh, we we advise supporters in terms of going forward to an appeals process with the club, and we we get a lot, you know, when when the right information is presented forward to the club, you know, a lot of them uh, uh, a lot of the bands are overturned, quite successful with that. Uh, work, you know, So there's all kinds of things working. We travelled to Wembley, you know, prices of tickets against Seville, all these kind yeah. of things. So we have more of a presence of uh, issues uh, related to uh, match-going fans. Uh, we're also, uh, what we've done as well, we've, we've gone, in, in 2005, we got kicked off the fans forum. 
or asked to step down, I should say. You know. <laughs> is this <laughs> a mutual case, decision? Well, no, it was, wasn't mutual. No, 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 it wasn't. You guys said no. Our position, we were, you know, we were opposed to uh, the model of ownership right. and the financing of it, and we were vocal about that. You know, quite high-profile campaign. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't like us for it, really, so they, did, they asked us to step down. But they, they, they've reinvited us on, and I think we've actually done some uh, pretty decent work. So all the things that we're talking about with with uh, reconfiguring the Stratford End, it's all come through from the fans forum because what we've been able to do is engage with supporters. So supporters have got a voice now. They'll be able to, they've got a point of contact, they've got someone they can speak to if they want to raise questions directly with the club. And I think, and, I mean, the biggest effect we've had in a way with that dialogue is that we've persuaded the club, I think, and therefore persuaded the owners through talking to Richard Arnold and so mm. on, of the value of getting the atmosphere right and getting the match game fans happy, how important that is versus the cost of doing that. Mm. So when they drop drop ticket prices for League Cup games or early Champions League or so on, um, then they're recognising that the revenue that they're getting from that, the extra revenue they get is not worth what they get uh, you know, in terms of a positive relationship, especially because you can see that the area where they're growing is the sort of commercial area, sponsorship and so on, and the TV area, and match going uh, revenue from ordinary fans at least, rather than hospitality, is in decline relatively. And that's why I think we've actually been really successful in persuading them that it's not worth you know, annoying the supporters by pushing up ticket prices, because you actually get much more benefit by to be seen to be working with fans, uh, and therefore sacrifice that little bit of revenue is well worthwhile and I think that has helped it certainly helped us in, t in terms of uh, you know the relationship change we've had with the yeah, we've been able to have a good, good input I mean and, and the positive outcomes with it as well I pick up final tickets it's you know it, it went down to the lowest number of credits that kind of ever known where people have gotten because the club are trying to release more and more tickets to being far more proactive with that trying to get supporters there the final in Stockholm as well anyone who went to one year away what was it in three seasons guaranteed a ticket all those kind of things so it's working building those relationships and trying to get good outcomes for supporters and I think we've been you know I'd say very successful with that whereas before in that period before we kind of re-engaged with the club nothing was happening like that at all so it's uh, it, you know it's a big plus point yeah I mean I think it's acting as That's that it. conduit between yeah. the fans and the club and if they don't have a conduit then they've just got random contacts and how do they know what to listen to yeah. you know in a, very important with the members organisation that you listen to your members and so for, to give an example, when um, the singing section was set up in J-Stand, we weren't actively consulted on that. Uh, we were sort of excluded from that. And we would have recognised immediately the problems that were going to be created by compulsory relocation of the supporters out of that section that caused a lot of you know, bad blood in that area. And we came up with the solution of, uh, if you're going to put it in that area, which we didn't think was the best place, but if you are going to put it there, at least offer a good compensation package for people who are being relocated and anyone who wants to stay in J-Stand as it was could move to a side, one side and have the other side as the sort of singing section and although it wasn't perfect it was a better solution than they had before yeah. and this shows the value whereas if you're talking to somebody who's mm. uh, you know and I'm not trying to criticise the people who were involved in it but if they don't have members as an organisation they don't immediately think what will my members say 
if we've negotiated this and they're one of my members. You know, we're quite sensitive to the criticism. And if a member says, you know, why haven't you represented us in this area? That, that's quite strong for us. And so I think that helps us to be a better voice for the club to listen to because, you know, we're very sensitive to what supporters feel about those sort of issues. It must be quite difficult, though, at times as well because you must get some fans that think you're too involved with a club and you must get other fans that think you're not doing enough, it must be quite difficult to sort of to get that balance I mean, or to get the message across of what you guys are doing because there must be some misconceptions as that's well. That's just the nature of the work really, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I think you, you're going to get that with most organisations. I mean, all, all we can do is try and uh, have the right motivation, put our best foot forward and try and get the best po deal possible for the fans, you know, for supporters. And that's all it's about and it's going back to this culture, it's trying to protect that culture. We're not one homogenous group. We're not all the same as supporters. We don't want all three in the same. We all want different things from a match day experience, and there's different things that should be valued inside the ground, you know. And getting the getting the club to realise that, and just in terms of the level of uh, different levels of stewarding around the ground, you know, getting them to recognise. Well, if someone stands up and does one thing in the family stand, they're going to get thrown out. Do it in another section of the stand. It might might be acceptable, and and you know, training the stewards to. You know, be flexible with that. You know, a relaxed approach to standing in certain areas of the ground. And, so, and the sanctions, isn't it? I mean, a lot of discussions we've had because yeah. we've developed a good relationship with people in the ticket office and, and mm. uh, you know, in the stadium level, we've managed to get them to, to look. You know, I think there was a natural inclination whenever anyone broke any law, regulation, rule, whatever you want to call it, in terms of the club sanctions, was to come down very hard and not to believe anyone. It was like everyone was, you know, suspicious about the motives. Uh, and I think there's been a change, a culture change there. Yeah. We've got a better appeals process, you know, and it's still not perfect. And we still think that there's a lot of sanctions that are too harsh and are unreasonable. But we are working on those and, yeah. and modifying those. I think the other area that I was, should mention as well is, though, because we are the effectively the Manchester United representative in terms of the national organisation. So we're affiliated to the FSF. Uh, Football Sports Federation and Supporters Direct, which are the recognised national bodies, which have just agreed to merge, incidentally, into one single uh, fans organisation. Uh, that's actually been really powerful in recent years. We it, it's meant that we've ended up collaborating even with the Scousers, which is believe. <laughs> and actually, so believe it or not, I know, and it's been it's been amazing actually because so so much in common, obviously, in terms of the challenges, the type of ownership we had, and so on. But also, you know. Regardless of the rivalry, they have a lot of the same issues that we have. You know, they take a big away following and they have the same sort of problems. A lot of clubs don't fill up their away allocation everywhere they go, so they don't have the same issues. But working with other Premier League trusts in particular, you know, we get a, a place at the uh, regular meetings with Scudamore. We have, uh, I can't remember if it's four or two meetings a year with Scudamore, but we meet with the Premier League more often than that. And, uh, you know, we push forward on various issues. I mean, things like the, the £30 cap on away ticket prices. Mm -hmm. Everyone said that's impossible. They're never going to agree to any kind of across-the-board cap like that. And, of course, once you've established that principle, there's the opportunity to, you know, to push for more uh, areas. And, and, and it was a recognition that the clubs were saying, all right, you know, it's not just a free market, this. We realise the value of away fans is really important to atmosphere. So we're going to do something, you know, really significant. Um, so I think that was a big progress. And again, the safe standing, uh, you know, that's something I personally raised with Scudamore at meetings. And, you know, we think there's, uh, there's an opportunity to progress that, particularly uh, we're seeing real movement on that at the moment. And, and a lot of that momentum has come out of being part of that national group. So us being there as a representative with all these other 
supporters trusts and, and some other organisations that are non-trusts as well uh, uh, has been really powerful and it, you know it's made the Premier League that previously we did meet with them but we didn't really get that much impact once you've got all those fan groups working together suddenly they sit up and listen and they start to actually push back and talk to the owners about changes that we want to see and so you know I think that's been a real success actually if anyone wants yeah. to get involved anyone wants to join up or any more info is it the, the website is it must.org join join must join must.org must. yeah. I mean that's the it, that's actually the website's being redeveloped at the moment but that is still the old website so <laughs> okay. apologies for the state of it <laughs> but you know we certainly do want people to get involved we want yep. people to join up and especially people who are match game fans who want to get more involved if they're interested in you know being part of the organisation or doing stuff being on the committee you know we're open to that. We want, you know, fresh blood in there, people with energy and ideas who want to do stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of initiatives we get involved in. We do a match day food bank, um, you know, which is a sort of community initiative that, you know, we want to be more than just uh, a fans group. We want to have a kind of responsibility to the local community as well. And so there's a lot of different things that people can get involved in, you know, so we'd encourage them to join as a member first and obviously then, you know, come and see us on the match day. We have... Uh, a stall outside our office at 18 St Matlesby Way and there's always a, a match day stall there so people can come and say hello there, have a chat with the lads on the stall and uh, you know take it from there. Brilliant Super. and as, as we know this is the Red Army Bet podcast and you're working alongside Red Army Bet. Just tell us a little bit about because people may think oh a betting company why I must teaming up with a better company what, what made that partnership happen for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it can be a sensitive issue with some people and we're very respectful of that. And so certainly in terms of the communications we've put out on email, we obviously give people the opportunity to, to exclude themselves if they wish to. But we do also recognise there's lots of people who enjoy a bet and what Red Army bet do differently and fans bet as general, the sort of the mother brand, if you like, above, uh, above Red Army bet is uh, they've made this commitment to give 50% back to fan causes or fan groups in one form or another. And, you know, we like that concept and, you know, it made sense to us as a, as a concept. And so that was particularly attractive. And we've been already supported massively by Red Army bet on a number of initiative sponsoring events and, uh, uh, you know, giving, paying us uh, money to, to help with projects that, you know, are useful to us, whether it's development. One area that we're really interested in is forming a sort of independent sport liaison officer. The SLO is a, a role that has, was created effectively by UEFA after the success in Germany. And in, those, in Germany, the SLO was a real fan um, who then became a sort of liaison between the fans and the club. Uh, you know, we sort of perform that role as an organisation, but we'd like to be able to fund somebody to actually work on that. So maybe they work on it one day a week. And, that, and we see, you know, that partnership with the Red Army Bet as a way of funding that role. And, uh, you know, the key thing that's different here is that the SLO that exists, they, they introduced the SLO model in the Premier League, but basically most clubs just put it as one of their customer service or marketing people. So it wasn't really a fan. And that, you know, isn't really what we're after. And so we're calling the, you know, we're calling the role an independent SLO. And so it's somebody who is a kind of seen as an honest broker by fans. They can go and talk to that person with their issues with the club without worrying about you know whether they feel like they're going to be blackballed or something because you know so they can be honest and talk to that get advice and potentially be represented and so that's one of the big services that we want to offer match going fans in in the new season uh, and, and red army bet we see as a you know a primary source of funding to to help us to offer that facility 
Sam, I just want to ask you a little bit about Red Army Bet because Duncan mentioned there, people will hear that, 50% of net profits to, to fan causes. It sounds... Sounds, sounds too good to be true. Sounds like madness. <laughs> no. Just tell us a little bit about that. I mean, like Duncan said, obviously, we want to give 50% back to different sports groups and whether that's obviously for different causes that matter to them. As Duncan said, obviously, you've got the food banks or whether that's supporting, obviously, the SLO as well. Um, obviously, it varies depending on, obviously, different groups and different trusts around the country. So, our idea is obviously we're we're Red Army Bet and we've been we're about fans by fans and obviously that's who's kind of who we are as well. So obviously we know what it's like to be a match day fan and that's why we want to give something back to them. So it's about us kind of figure out the best way where we can do that and the funds aren't lost along the way. And by working with different supporters groups, trust and branches throughout the country, we feel like that's the best way for those to then filter that funds back into the fans. Mm -hmm. um, obviously we work with different clubs throughout the country as well and one of them that kind of. Uh, comes to first to my mind is Wolves. We're working with the Punjabi Wolves group, um, and what they're doing they're just kind of funding the match, match day coaches as well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be for certain more. Obviously, there are different ideas that the fans and the trust can do. It's just about obviously giving them the opportunity to get that revenue stream and mm -hmm. then putting that something that matters to them. So you've got fans bet, as Duncan mentioned, is like the umbrella that works with clubs like Wolves or uh, fan causes like the Punjabi Wolves. Red Army Bet focuses on, on United. Yeah, of I course. think that's an important point as well that we particularly liked about Red Army Bet was because it's dedicated to United, it means it's much easier for us because we don't want to be promoting a, a bookmaker that is just you click on the link and it goes to general stuff. You know, we want United specific stuff that appeals to United fans because people, you know, there's one thing being bombarded with adverts, but if they're not relevant to you, it's mm. really more irritating. And so I think, you know, because Red Army Bet are committed to doing, uh, you know, special bets for United fans, and it makes it much easier for us to have a relationship with, you know. Good stuff. Um, just before we go, I will ask you for some predictions for the season. You said we said what we'd like to see. I'll start with you, Duncan. Duncan, where do you think United are going to finish this season? I think we'll finish second in the Premier League. Second in the Premier League. Is it going to be another 19-point gap or whatever it was? Last time, what do you think we could be a little I bit closer? I think it would be tighter. Yeah, tighter. Yeah, I don't think. I uh, I think you I think you're right in the sense that it will be tighter, but I don't know if it'll be uh, <laughs> as tight as we'd like to yeah, see yeah. it. Ian, how do you think United will get on this season? It's difficult to look beyond City. It hurts, but it really does pain me to say it. I hope there's a crash in the oil market and they lose all of that. <laughs> you know, that, that'd be a fantastic... I think every United fan's been waiting know, for this crash in the oil market for about 10 years and it's just you know. not materialising. Tesla comes out and gives free <laughs> energy forever. I don't, I don't. Like, Football-wise, I think we've just got to progress from where we were last season. And that, if that's progression in terms of league position or trophies uh, or the way that we're playing... I'll take any one of those three. I think if, if our style of football, it's going to be difficult with Mourinho there, but I think if our style of football, if there's just a big improvement with that, you know, playing far more attractive football, competing, league position can be false. But, you know, let's play well. Uh, play attractive football, come away at the end of the game and feel as if, you know, you've watched a decent game and not, some game of chess where they're moving backwards and forwards. That's I think that's that that's my hope for the season. That that's it. If we win summer, it's a bonus. Yep. But, Talk uh, about high expectations. Attractive football. Crazy. He'll never catch on. He'll never catch. Carving out the one 0 win against Watford or whatever. <laughs> um, Sam. If we're lucky. Yes. Uh, how do you see the season going for United? Well, like I say, like you mentioned there, if we can get a bit more attractive football, that'd be superb as well. But. 
I feel Liverpool have invested really well, which is disappointing to see. And obviously Liverpool, have, obviously the City rather have obviously strengthened as well, which is obviously kind of going to push them on. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to disagree with these guys. And I think we're going to drop one place back and finish third. But I do think we might nick a, nick a little trophy now as well, along the way, maybe a Carlin on FA Cup. So um, I think we'll have a little bit of silverware to celebrate at the end of the season, but I think we will be a little bit further down the pecking order. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think Liverpool's challenge is going to be a lot stronger. I think uh, been, yeah. you know whether they. I'm, you know what, I'm going to play devil's advocate and disagree and think we're going to, on the 20th anniversary <laughs> of the treble, we're going to win the, the treble again. We just need to dislocate Salah's shoulder. <laughs> no, don't, let's not talk about Salah's shoulder. We'll have petitions and all sorts um, coming in. Listen, guys, that's great stuff. Great chatting to you. And hopefully we'll be hearing more from Must in a month's time. You guys are, are going to be launching your own podcast. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to get updates. People will be able yeah. to get in touch ask you guys questions, especially yep. match-going fans who may have some issues or things they're not sure about. Just Definitely. A, a bit of advice, really, as well, yep. which is always useful. Yep. So, Duncan, Ian, thanks for joining us. Sam, thanks for joining us as well. Of course, thank I've you. I've been Jay. This has been the Red Army Bet podcast, and you can check out all the latest odds on United to win the treble or any uh, other <laughs> <laughs> other trophies at redarmybet.com. And you can also visit Mus website, which is a, a website in in uh, working in, work in progress at the moment. Well, is that yeah, right? It's a work... It's work in it's progress it's in decline at the <laughs> yeah, don't trust them on it we've got a new there. site coming up but yeah, yeah that's at joinmust.org joinmust.org so anything that any of the issues any topics we raise today or any questions you may have have a look at them and they're also on social media as well thanks for listening uh,